Good morning, church family. My name is Rick Enns. I'm the senior pastor here at First Methodist Church here in Canyon. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are going to have two texts this morning. The first one comes from Matthew 16, 21 through 23, and the second one is from Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Hear now these words. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go into Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then from chapter 26, verse 31 and following. Then Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Any of you suffer from a foot and mouth disease? It's that uh, disease where you say something you wish you had never said, or if you have given what you think is good advice to someone who really doesn't need that advice and, and it makes you look like a fool. I know uh, all of you married men out there, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, because if you're like me, I've offered what I thought was very helpful advice to my wife at certain times. And for whatever reason, uh, th that advice doesn't garner me praise or thanksgiving, but rather looks of disdain and anger. Have you been there? You can comment below at Facebook if you need to. But the apostle Peter suffered from foot in mouth disease. He, he didn't know when to shut up. He tripped up so many times over his words. So many times in his journey of faith with Jesus, he said the wrong things. He didn't understand really what was going on. And he, like the rest of the 12 apostles, they followed the right king, but so often they had the wrong response. That happens with us as well. And again, this has to do with our expectations. Jesus's kingship looks so differently than for what they were expecting of a king and a Messiah. And they had a, such a hard time understanding Jesus, even as he was sharing with them and trying to be very clear to them. And even if he talked very slowly, they still didn't get it so often. It's like uh, speaking to your teenager at times. Sometimes you wonder what's going on between their ears. They just don't get it. But let me say this about Peter. Peter gives me hope. I, I love Peter. And, and, and the reason Peter gives me hope is because Jesus never gave up on Peter. Some of you need to hear this today. Jesus 
doesn't give up on us. I hope you hear that. Jesus will never give up on us if we don't give up on Jesus. In spite of our failures, Jesus doesn't give up on us. You see, Jesus knew the heart of Peter, a heart that wanted to follow Jesus faithfully, even though he messed up so many times. And I want you to take that to heart. Jesus will not give up on you if you will not give up on Jesus. I'm thankful to have these stories of Peter to help us as we walk with Jesus as King. And if we listen and learn from these stories, then then hopefully we won't make the same mistakes that they made. Now we've been walking through the gospel of Matthew during this season of Lent. Lent being that time before Easter. And we've been looking at the characteristics of Jesus as King. What it means to be King and, and what characteristics there are in the kingdom of God. Like Peter though, sometimes this journey of understanding is, is fraught with pitfalls and mistakes and failures. That's just life. That's just the way it is sometimes. But understanding the true characteristics of the king and our place in the kingdom is vital with our walk with God. If we have wrong expectations, if we don't understand the characteristics and the identity of Jesus and his expectations, we're going to struggle mightily when we're faced with life. We must understand what it means that Jesus is king. We must understand what that kingship looks like. Now, if we get this right, it doesn't mean that we won't suffer, that life becomes easy. No, it doesn't become easy at all. But it gives us purpose and meaning and hope. It it does mean that when life throws its worst at us, we're not left empty. It can even redeem the suffering that we might endure. So let's look again at our two texts from Matthew. First from chapter 16. I'm going to read it again. Uh, Follow along with me. Verse 30 or 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. The text starts with the phrase, from that time on. Now, that phrase is a a marker for a new section in the Gospel of Matthew. We see that same phrase in chapter 4, verse 17, where it says there, from that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to, to underline that in chapter 4, verse 17, and here in chapter 16, 21. There are these three major sections of Matthew. There are other sections as well, but here we see this dividing line. And the, the first section being from the beginning of Matthew to 417, where it is the preparation of Jesus as Messiah. And then the text shifts 
in chapter 4, 17 to focus on Jesus's mission to Israel and Galilee. And, and it starts with Jesus's whole purpose, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And now here in chapter 16, verse 21, we have a new section as Jesus finishes his mission in Galilee and begins to journey to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross. So here in this text, we have this new section where Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem and the cross. Now this text is also the first of four times that Jesus predicts his arrest and his crucifixion. And the apostles, they're, they're perplexed. They do not understand what Jesus is telling them. They, they can't get this right. But if we are reading Matthew, we see four times where Jesus is preparing his followers for what is to come. Chapter 16, 21, 17, 22, and 23. Chapter 20, verse 17 through 19. And chapter 26, verse 2. And each time the disciples kind of look back at Jesus with these blank stares, not really comprehending what he is saying. I can just imagine Jesus shaking his head at his disciples saying, what part of I'm headed to Jerusalem to be killed by the religious leaders on a cross and then be resurrected three days later, do you not understand? But I, I, I get it. You know, for Jesus though, here's what we sometimes miss. Suffering was at the core of what it meant to be the Messiah. It was the essence of what it meant to be king. Jesus isn't just prophesying that he will suffer and die, or even that this might be a good idea that he suffers and dies. No, he says this is necessary. It is required. This is his mission, the cross. That is why he has come. And I think I'd be just like Peter because my expectations of the king, my expectations of the kingdom look more like earthly kings and earthly kingdoms too often and not God's kingdom. You see, in earthly kings, in earthly kingdoms, we don't often see them taking on the role of suffering. Rather, we see the, the glamour, the glitz, uh, the, the pageants, the parades, the feasts, the parties. That's often what I think of when I think of kings and kingdoms. And that's not the king and the kingdom that we're a part of. And we see Peter as the, the leader of the 12. He's, he takes Jesus aside and rebukes him for what he just says. Let's just pause there for a moment. And, and, and if you can, just imagine yourself there. Place yourself in the story in this moment. You need to understand something about master-disciple relationships, especially in the first century for Jewish people. See, Jesus was the, the rabbi, the master. And, and the 12 disciples were literally supposed to follow the master and do exactly what the master does. It's unthinkable as a disciple, as an apprentice, for them to take the master aside and rebuke him. A, a disciple would not do that. In fact, some Jewish leaders taught that if a disciple were to even presume to teach while the master was present, that they should be killed. That's how uh, distinguished this master-disciple relationship was. Disciples literally followed their masters. They walked behind them. 
But now Peter is assuming that he knows better than his master. You ever think that way? You ever think that you know better than God? I know sometimes I do. So the text says that Jesus turned and said to Peter. Now, did you see the detail? It says that Jesus literally turned because Peter is where he's supposed to be behind the master to confront him. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. What a violent reaction it is. Get behind me, Satan. Nowhere else in scripture do we see Jesus talk like this. He doesn't talk to anybody else like this. But now he uses figurative language to tell Peter to get behind him. Uh, like a disciple should. He, he basically is putting Peter in his place. But if we've been paying attention as we've been reading through the gospel of Matthew, we'll understand why Jesus reacts so harshly to Peter. Because Peter is functioning in this moment as an agent of Satan. Satan had offered Jesus this very thing in the desert, in the wilderness, when he was tempted. Do you remember that? In Matthew, way back in chapter four, when Satan was tempting him, Satan was offering him all the kingdoms of the world, all the nations without the suffering. And so here Peter acting as an agent of Satan is taking him back to that temptation. You can have it all without the suffering. We also see the promises of the kingdom without the cross, without suffering. But we have to remember this. His mission was to go and suffer and die and then be resurrected. That was his purpose. The cross was central to his purpose, to his mission. The kingdom without the cross, without the suffering, that doesn't come from God. That comes from Satan. This is hard for the disciples to swallow. This is hard for me to swallow. This is, but this is the core of our gospel message. This is central to our understanding of the king and the kingdom of God. And hear this. I don't even hardly want to say it. If you say that you're a disciple of Jesus, then Jesus expects you to follow his lead. Do you hear that? To be willing to do the same things that he showed us. And in fact, we see him say that in the very next verse, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Dying to self, living for Christ. We must be willing to pay any price to follow the king, to be a part of his kingdom. That's the expectation of the king and the expectation of being in God's kingdom. But here's the good news for me, is that even when we fail, we have a king who is gracious and is, does not give up on us. But this king, he is also firm in that he will not let us take the easy way out. He will demand that we understand the cost of the kingdom. But as Jesus says elsewhere, in losing our life, we gain everything. It truly is worth the cost. Now, this isn't the only time in the gospel of Matthew where Peter struggles with understanding Jesus's identity as king. 
We also see it the night before Jesus is crucified. Let me read that text again in chapter 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to them, him, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Now Jesus throughout Matthew has been very specifically telling the disciples what is about to happen. He has told them since chapter 16, that he is going to Jerusalem, that he is going to be persecuted by the religious leaders, that he is going to die on a cross and three days later, he's gonna be resurrected and they still don't get it. So now he's using a famous prophecy from Zechariah to try and help them see what's about to happen. Zechariah is the, the second to the last book of the Old Testament. And in this prophecy in Zechariah, it says that the shepherd is struck and the sheep are scattered. It also says in Zechariah that, the, uh, that this shepherd was pierced and rejected. Yet this shepherd who is struck is also called, called God's companion, who is side by side with God. And so we see uh, Jesus trying to connect the dots for them, if you will. But in what Jesus is facing, you need to understand that God is not out of control. God is directing this sequence. God is still sovereign. But here we see Peter again confronting Jesus and saying, hey, I won't ever deny you. Peter thought it was unthinkable that he would ever deny Jesus. You know, whenever I hear people say, I would never, you know, fill in the blank. I get a little nervous. I, I, I do, I, because... Here's what I know. I know I am capable of great evil. I am capable of any amount of sin. All of us really are. Now, you know, even Peter and the disciples who walked with Jesus daily for three years, heard all of his sermons, saw what he did. When push came to shove, they denied Jesus. I don't presume to think that I'm any better than them. Peter and the rest of the disciples failed. They failed in the face of suffering, they turned away. So what do we do in the face of our failure? We return back to God. We don't give up because in Jesus's kingdom, Jesus has forgiven our sins. If we let him, Jesus will accept us back even in the face of great failure. We see that with Peter. We see that with the other disciples that fall away, they are received back. Jesus can do that for us as well. And that brings me great comfort. And when I'm painfully aware of my sin, when I am painfully aware of my shortcomings. But what, we, what can we do though to prepare ourselves? What can we do in the face of uncertainties, in the face of hardship and suffering? Here's what we have to do. We have to stay connected to God in prayer. We must be diligent in coming before God in humility, not in pride, not puffing ourselves up, not saying, oh, I would never do that, but coming to God saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. 
forgive me. We must be diligent, knowing that suffering is likely part of our life. Jesus wasn't exempt from suffering. We aren't either. But what will that suffering do to us? Will it draw us to the king or will we reject the kingdom? I pray that it draws you closer to the king and his kingdom. As we walk through this season of Lent, are you following the right king? And more importantly, are you responding correctly to the king? Do you understand the the true characteristics of the king and the kingdom? Our king is a king who suffered and died on our behalf. Our king is a king that is gracious and just. And life in the kingdom for us will not be without suffering. Now, ultimately, I cannot explain, I cannot tell you why we have to suffer, but I do know this. We serve a king who has gone through suffering for us. And this King Jesus will have the final word. He has indeed conquered this world and we have hope for tomorrow, no matter what we face today. So I would encourage you to cling to that hope, cling to that promise of Jesus as king and his kingdom. So I wanna leave you with the words of Jesus himself. Now these words come from the gospel of John, not Matthew, but I love these words from Jesus. Jesus said, I have said this to you so that you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage for I've overcome the world. Let us pray. How I thank you, God, for your kingship. Guide us this day and every day in all that we face. Help us to understand your true characteristics. Help us as we go through suffering, as we struggle, that you You are there and help us to know that you are there. Give us your peace in the midst of hardship. Grant us courage. Grant us indeed your peace. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.